you're listening to episode 12 of the Bookcast for Dwell, an Advent study in liturgy. This bookcast has been designed to give you another format with which to engage the content of the book. Hi, my name is Rachel Fehrenbach. I am the author of Dwell and your host for these episodes. We're continuing in week two with day three, where we're going to dwell on this truth, that God desires to dwell with Israel and make them a priestly model of his garden kingdom, where humans co-rule and co-create with him. Once again, humanity falls short, and once again, God is faithful to forgive. When Israel responds by obediently following his commands, they experience shalom. We're going to continue to dwell on this truth with a short story, and it's going to be from the perspective of the image bearer, Moses. Let's begin. I review my notes out loud, not because I need them. The requirements are engraved on my mind, like the tribe's names on Aaron's breastplate, which is waiting for my inspection among the mass of items. But because I want Bezuel and Oholiab and every other craftsman here to take these instructions seriously, not seriously, solemnly, Israel has been delivered from the clutches of Egypt and redeemed for the singular purpose to be his people, his firstborn among the nations, his chosen ones. Though at the way they acted when we first fled Egypt, you wouldn't have thought so. Not only did they refuse Yahweh's invitation to come into his presence and instead sent me up alone while I was receiving Yahweh's terms for the covenant and the instructions for this tabernacle, his solution, might I add, to dwelling with a people that feared him, they gave in to the lies of their fear and broke the first two terms of the covenant. Worship only Yahweh and make no idols. Yahweh had every right to back out of his covenant. He called them a stick-nuffed people, ready to be done with them, and rightly so. What good is an animal that refuses to yield it to its yoke and do what it has been distinctly made to do? But he didn't back out. He could have simply kept his covenant with our forefathers by sending us away from him into the promised land without him. But he didn't. No, he was merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loyal love and faithfulness. And just as he forgave our forefathers for their various sins, he forgave our failure to meet his standard, our rebellion against his boundaries, and our perversion of our image-bearer identity. And so not because we are special in our own right, but because he is Yahweh, he has taken us as his inheritance. He will be our God, and his presence will dwell among us. A solemn event indeed. We have met the specifications for the ark. I look up from my notes and meet Bezula's eyes at his announcement. Even the positioning of the cherubim on the mercy seat, I ask, glancing towards the ark. Yes, their wings cover the seat and their faces are positioned towards the seat. Even though, if I can be frank, Moses, his voice halts, but his eyes surrounded, I note, by deeper wrinkles than nine months ago, move back and forth, searching for permission to voice his concern. Speak. I lean on my staff for support. Bezuel is not the only one affected by hard labor these days. His hands motion to the golden box before us. I don't know exactly what they look like. I was not there, in the garden where the exile took place, I mean. Chuckles at the absurdity of the thought erupt from the craftsmen around us. A smile tugs at the corners of my own lips and compassion springs to my heart. I needn't have worried. 
Bezalel is doing enough for the most of us. I raise a hand to quiet the men and address him. What did Yahweh say when he chose you to lead the construction? He looks away from me to the pile of items awaiting inspection and confirmation. Oholiab fills in the answer for Zezula. He called us by name, appointed us, filled us with the Spirit of God, so we could make all that he commanded. I nod. Yes, exactly. Look up, Bezua. He obeyed. What Yahweh did not specify in his command, he empowered by his spirit the knowledge and intelligence to devise. Do not doubt. Do not fear. He pulls back his shoulders. Yes, Moses. And yes, they are positioned correctly. We resume our diligent review of each commissioned item and its unique and detailed specifications. A reminder that Yahweh is holy, his dwelling place will be holy, and his people will be holy. It's all ready. They have completed all the work you commanded. I sit before Yahweh in the tent of meeting, pride radiating through every nerve, muscle, and fiber of my being. These stiff-necked people have been obedient to their master's guidance, to the yoke placed on them. They have worked according to their purpose design, creating with and for Yahweh, bringing order to the chaos and beauty into design. In the faithful execution of his commands, they have rejected Pharaoh's claim over their lives and fully embraced their identity as the people through which Yahweh will bless the nations. I feel like a giddy little boy, overcome with excitement and anticipation. Yahweh's pleasure punctuates his words as he instructs me to erect the tabernacle on the first day of the first month of the second year. I grin at the significance a new beginning for Yahweh to do a new thing. As I enter the courtyard with the entire congregation of Israel to meet Aaron and his sons, a flicker of concern passes across his face. It is so quick I wonder if I truly seen it. When Yahweh first explained that Aaron and his sons would serve as his tabernacle priest, Aaron as the high priest, I wondered about the choice of man. I love my brother, but it was under his hand that the golden calf was crafted as a god at the request of the people. I will forgive iniquities, Yahweh had reminded me, and I never questioned his selection again. But I wonder if Aaron questions it. It's hard to stand this close to Yahweh's presence and not be aware of all you lack. This morning marks the eighth day since Yahweh's presence took up residence within the tabernacle, and yet the sight of it is no less awe-provoking. The first day of the first month of the second year, just as Yahweh commanded, the people gathered to help me raise the frame of the tent, making certain the entrance faced east, placed the testimony tablets inside the ark, set the mercy seat above the ark, screened the ark with a veil, and placed the furniture in their ordered places. We arranged the twelve loaves of the bread of presence into two stacks of six on the table and filled each of the seven branches of the lamp with oil, burnt fragrance on the golden altar situated in front of the veil, and hung the curtain door to the tabernacle. We then set up the altar for burnt offerings and positioned the basin between the tent and the altar and filled it with water. I instructed Aaron and his sons to join me in washing our hands and feet. I offered the burnt offering and the grain offering before instructing the people in raising the courtyard wall around the tabernacle and altar. We hung the curtain gate at the entrance to the courtyard. Every last detail was addressed and the work finished. We waited, every man, woman, and child frozen in place, a mix of anticipation and fear holding us there. Just when we were tempted to wonder if something was wrong, 
A cloud covered the tent, and the glory of Yahweh filled every corner of it. Excitement pulsated throughout my body. Finally, these people would experience Yahweh the way I did. His presence would dwell here with us. He had lovingly and graciously come down to his people when they were afraid to go up to him. I pulled the curtain gate aside and rushed forward past the altar and basin, desiring to sit face to face with Yahweh in this new dwelling place. But at the entrance, I stopped abruptly. I could feel it in my body, deep within my bones and the blood pulsing through my veins, the warning to come no nearer. This sacred ground was not built for me to meet with Yahweh, but for Yahweh to dwell with Israel. And the relationship between Yahweh and his people was not right. Anoint, consecrate, and dedicate came the command. With Israel assembled at the entrance of the tabernacle to watch, I anointed it and all within it. I sprinkled the anointing oil on the altar seven times. I dressed Aaron and his son in the priestly garments. Aaron and his sons placed their hands on the bull for a sin offering. The bull's life blood was spilled out for them. We repeated this with laying on of hands of a ram for the burnt offering. We repeated it again with another ram, but this time for the purpose of ordination. I took the blood of the ram and put it on the lobe of Aaron's right ear, the thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot. I did the same for his sons. A wave offering was completed next by placing pieces of the ram on the thick and thin loaves of bread. Aaron and his sons waved them as a wave offering. I took the rest of the ram, my portion of the ordination ram, and waved it as a wave offering. Lastly, I took some of the anointing oil and the blood on the altar and sprinkled it on Aaron, his sons, and their priestly garments. Now, I addressed them, you will stay here in this tent of meeting for seven days, doing all the Lord has charged you so you do not die until your ordination is complete. They did all the things the Lord had commanded, which is why Israel stands before them on the the eighth day, ready with their offerings. The pivotal time has come. The sanctuary has been created and consecrated. Those who are to tend to it have been ordained. It is no longer about preparation. It is about action, atonement. I turn in a circle slowly, taking in the people around me. This ceremony... I explain, is a command from Yahweh so you can see his presence dwelling with us. I face Aaron once more. He nods to me, a signal he is ready to perform his duty as high priest. Draw near and make atonement for yourself and for the people. I motion towards the altar. His movements are assured and precise as he sacrifices first the bull for the sin offering and then the ram for the burnt offering. He does it exactly as Yahweh instructed me and I instructed him. A little tinge of brotherly pride forms in my heart. Next, Aaron offers the male goat for a sin offering on behalf of the people. Then their burnt offerings of a calf and a lamb. The grain offering was burned as well. So far, so good. The last thing for Aaron to perform is the peace offering. I notice my chest rising and falling quickly with short breaths as the anticipation grows within me. Aaron kills the ox and the ram brought by the people to the tabernacle exactly as he should. His sons hand him the blood and he throws it against the sides of the altar. He lays the fat pieces from the ox and the ram and burns these rich pieces of the animals for Yahweh as is his due. The breast and the right thighs he waves as a wave offering, exactly as commanded. Aaron puts the breast and the leg down and pauses with awe. 
and perhaps with a little relief that all has been done as it should. He raises his hands out over the people and blesses them. He steps down from the altar and joins me. Ready, he asks. Yes, I answer with a huge smile. Together we enter the tent of meeting and into Yahweh's presence. Overwhelming and comforting, convicting and forgiving, freeing and calling. Holy, holy, holy. After what feels like seconds but is much longer than that, we rejoin Israel out in the courtyard with words to bless them. We stand in the middle of the congregation, Aaron and I, and he raises his hands once more and utters the blessing Yahweh has given him to speak over the people. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. With the final word shalom rolling off of Aaron's lips, the glory of Yahweh fills the place where his people stand and a divine fire consumes the burnt offerings and the pieces of fat on the altar. Screams fill my ears and the sight of people dropping to the ground and covering their faces fills my eyes. But I do not scream. I do not drop. I do not worry. Because he is near. Atonement has been made. The covenant upheld. We are his people. Yahweh dwells with us once more. Shalom has been restored. And through us, all nations will have peace. Thank you for joining me today as we dwelled on this truth that when humanity falls short, God is faithful to forgive. And when Israel responded obediently by following his commands, they experienced shalom. Join me tomorrow as we continue to dwell with God this Advent season.